<laughs> you want your five-star matches? <laughs> you want your 30-minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> What is good, ladies and gentlemen? This is Randall Beatley with another episode of the Slapping Me to Wrestling podcast. We got a lot to cover today, uh, so let's let's uh, let's get down on it. Uh, and the first thing that I want to talk about is um, episode two of Collision's ratings have come out. Now I didn't watch episode two. Um, if I'm being completely honest, so as always, I try to remain consistent. If I don't watch the show, I don't critique it and the, the booking of the show. But I, I think it's fair to say, Hey, we can sit and talk business. And that's what I want to talk is, is business. And so the ratings for episode two of collision have come out and I'll say this. The initial response that I had, and then I'm sure a lot of WWE fans have have watching this, um, is um, one of, oh, look, they lost viewership. Um, but I think we have to be fair and consistent. If we go back a week... If we go back literally a week ago, I sat here on this show and said, we can't expect them to get higher than this. This is the, the this is the ceiling right now. Right, right. And I use the example of, of restaurants. When you open a, a restaurant, the week one is more than likely going to be your busiest week. It's new. People are interested in it, but as they try it, as they experience it, the, the, the weekly number goes down. And so I don't even remember. I think it was like 800. I, I, for some reason, it's either 814 or 894. I don't remember the exact amount that they got week one, but that's their ceiling. That's, that's being logical and, and how we see this, that's their ceiling. They weren't going to improve on it. They were either going to stay around 800,000 or they were going to go lower then. And so being logical, being consistent, and being fair, I feel anything above 500,000 people considering that is a Saturday night show Anything above 500,000 people, I feel, should be acceptable for this show. I don't think it's fair to sit there and be like, oh, this is a failure because they lost um, 300,000 people when we knew they were going to lose viewership. My, I, I think my problem comes in with 
your first episode only had 890 something thousand people, less than 900,000 people. And you're trying to promote yourself as the better product, the superior product over competing companies. And none of your shows, none of the three shows you have are beating any of the WWE product. And you could say Dynamite's beating NXT, but I feel, again, we have to be consistent in, in how we judge the show. NXT, um, first off... It's on the busiest night of cable television. Tuesdays are the busiest night in television um, for shows. Um, they also tend to be busier for sports. So NXT is already at a, a disadvantage. And it's the third brand. Now Triple H is doing, I think, the best he can to make it considered a main event brand to where it can grab the, the amount of audience. I mean, Raw's... Uh, Ratings from from this when this this week's episode of Raw, almost two million people is the highest I've seen a, a viewership for Raw in a while. Um, and so I just the ceiling is nine hundred thousand people, right? Around eight hundred to nine hundred thousand people. That's the ceiling. So here's my problem, though. Here's my problem. Week one, you hit somewhere in the 800,000 range. Week two, you hit just under 600,000. You had 595,000. We can round up beef and, and say 600,000. What happens when you face actual competition? What happens in August when you have to go up against SummerSlam? Right? You're blessed this week, Tony. You don't have to go up against Money in the Bank. You're blessed this week. You don't have to go up against Money in the Bank. But the next premiere live event in August, the end of August, you're going to have to go up against SummerSlam. There's no way in hell, as a wrestling fan, that I would miss SummerSlam to watch Collision. There's just no way in hell. As a wrestling fan, even if I was an AEW fan, as a fan of wrestling... You just don't miss a premiere live event to watch the, a weekly show. You just don't do it. Now, you may record Collision, and that's what I feel a lot of people have are doing and will do. But what happens when you go up against SummerSlam and your ratings say 200,000, 300,000 people? Because there are going to be those who are hardcore AEW fans that have it on at the same time as SummerSlam. That's expected. Or the people who whose recordings get counted as views or the people who flip to it. You know, it's they're going to get some ratings. But it, my question that I immediately come to, to, come to, comes to my mind is, is Tony going to play it smart? And on the weeks that there's a premiere live event at 8 o'clock to compete with Collision? Is he going to change the time frame? Is he going to say, hey, we need an afternoon start time? That way we're not competing with this premiere live event. That way our people can watch their show. I just, this is part of the reasoning. Like, because WWE is not switching back to Sundays. The only time you'll get a Sunday premiere live event is WrestleMania. 
night two. And I even think they're going to move away from two night WrestleManias. I think that's going to be a thing of the past. I think we're going back to one night. I, I, I think at least if they're smart, they'd go back to one night and just make it Saturday. But I, I, you're not getting away from, oh, WWE might throw a, a Sunday in it. No, they're, they're staying on Saturdays. That's what they're going to do now. And so once a month, you're going to be in competition starting in August. Once a month, you're going to be in competition with WWE's premier live event. You got uh, this. This is the business decision. Where this is why I said it wasn't going to work, because because you may say we're not competing, but you are competing. Anyone that's on TV on Saturdays are, is competing against everyone else f- to get people to watch. And in your specific market, WWE's premier live event, without a doubt, I would turn on. And that's not just because I'm a, a WWE fan. It's just the importance of the event. So, my fear comes when they have to come in and say, and say hey, without competition, we're only doing 600,000. What happens when we get competition? What's that number going to be? Are we going to stay at 600,000? Or is it going to go away? Are we going to lose viewership at the PLEs? Are they going to have to do a special time? Well, we'll see in August. We'll see with SummerSlam. Um, now, the last thing I'll say about it is if I was Tony Khan, if I was Tony, um, there'd be two, or excuse me, there'd be one thing that I would do. I'm turning this this heat between the elite and 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 CM Punk into a story by scrapping Rampage and essentially creating the illusion of competition in the in in a similar way that WWE does with Raw and SmackDown. I'm creating the illusion of competition within my brand, and I'm having. Dynamite versus Collision. And Rampage is gone there. It's done. People don't care about it. They're getting less than 400,000 people a a Friday night. Less than than 400,000 people does not cut it to me. Just scrap it. Get rid of it. And then have your Dynamite roster. Have your Collision roster. Team Elite versus Team CM Punk. you, You have... Three matches already given to you for for a a battle of the brands premiere live event. I'm Tony. Listen to me. I'm literally telling you how to run this. It's it's fucking simple. Listen to me, Tony. L- listen to me. I know you're not listening, but someone listening, shit. I might do it. Screen record this shit and send it to Tony Khan and 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 pray that he fucking he does this because this might be good good television. Scrap Rampage. Get rid of it. You don't need it. There's no point. Create a Battle of the Brands pay-per-view 
You have three matches on that card already set up. You want to know who they are? You got the Elite, the Young Bucks. You have the Young Bucks versus FTR. Instant match already made. You have Ricky Starks versus Adam Page. Match already made. You have Kenny Omega and CM Punk. Match already made. Three matches already made for this card. And then you can create, you know, this could be your Survivor Series type brand as well. Where you create, you know, the idea of the battle of the brands. And so you have you have two mid-card titles. Put one on Collision, put one on Dynamite. They go against each other. You have two women's champions. Put one on Collision, put one on Dynamite. They go against each other. You have a trios and a tag team title a match, right? Maybe you could put a, a third person on, with the tag team and create a trios. Or who is the best of the multi of the teamed champions, right? Or something of that level where you can have literal battle of the brands. No titles on the line. You're just you have this illusion of competition between collision and dynamite and one pay-per-view a year you have a battle. And in the way that Survivor Series should be for WWE. There's your free advice, Tony. Take it or leave it. I think that would be good television. You, you can't just sort of just like not have Kenny Omega and CM Punk and the Elite and all of them not meet up together. You just can't, you can't avoid it. You can't, you can't, every time there's a premiere live event, you can't put them on separate sides of the arena and act like it's not causing fucking drama. You have to have them face off eventually. This will make you money. <laughs> That's all I'm talking about with AEW. The rest of this show um, will be, as the title states, questions from the Discord. This is going to be a large discussion about the Discord. So what I did before I recorded this, as I do every week for the most part, is I go in and in our Discord... Then I'm in the casual wrestling community discord and uh, I go on there and I say, hey, give me suggestions. What do you want to hear me talk about? And they do fantastic at getting suggestions of topics that I wouldn't even think about. I'm very bad at being creative of, of things to, to sit and talk about. Um, and so... The rest of the show is just going to go down the questions that were asked at some point, either in discussion. That the first one, the one we're about to talk about, wasn't suggested. It was asked during Raw last night, but it was something that I do want to talk about. Um, and and that is on LA Night. And the question is: Is LA Night over enough to have a World Championship run and not sort of fizzle out? Right, we we've seen these runs where the the crowd cheers for Kofi or the crowd cheers for Liv Morgan. They get the title, and then they fizzle out, and the crowd doesn't like them anymore. Is L.A. Knight over to to get through that level of, of of you know? Will he fizzle out once he grabs the title? And to me, I I, I, I he has the ability to get over. 
without a doubt, he has the ability. I don't, I just don't know because you never know what the fans are going to want. Right? The wrestling fans complain about everything. And if there's one thing I've learned about wrestling fans, if there's anything you need to know about wrestling fans, is a majority of, a majority of them will, will do everything in their power to look for something to bitch about. And so LA Knight, we've been pushing and praising, and he needs to win the briefcase at Money in the Bank. He needs to be champion. And, and, and what happens when he, when he grabs it? They're going to complain because it's not entertaining enough. And, and so I think he has the ability, he has the, the, the promo ability, the entering ability to be entertaining. This comes down to what I always say, though. 90% of the business is booking. You have to get yourself over. You can get the story over. But if you're given shitty material, if you're given a shitty story, right? L.A. Knight is a great talent. There was nothing more he could do to get the, the, the Bray Wyatt feud over. I feel like he did everything in his power to get that over. It just didn't get over because it was a stupid story to begin with. And so it's, it comes down to the booking. Um. But this question also brought up, like, my first response when I heard this, like, my initial reaction was, this is why we need more championships in WWE. There's always going to be this argument, oh, we have too many. We don't have nearly enough. We have one mid-card title for a roster, almost 200 people. There's so many people on this roster, none of which will ever become champion and part of that is on them but part of that is there's just there's just nothing for them to do and so I feel each brand Raw and Smackdown should have three mid-card titles the current one they each have and then add two more and so this got me thinking what titles would I bring back well well I I, f- I think I have a solution for that and I want to know what you guys think. This is part of the conversation I want to hear. Would you be excited if we brought back these titles? And so for Raw, this is how I look at Raw. First off, it's the longer show. But it appears to me that Raw is being used as sort of NXT when Triple H was in control. It's It's got more spots. It's less storyline based. There is story on it. But you got guys like Gargano. You got... Ricochet, you got some of the smaller guys, the more flippy guys on, right? And they also are trying to to prove like this is the brand of of the of of the fighters of the workmen. We're not going to take days off. We're going to fight every single Monday, right? And 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 so for that reason, I feel that there are two the two titles they could put on the mid card here are the cruiserweight championship. Bring it back, utilize it correctly. The 205 Live shit that they did last time was not over. It didn't get over. Right? And so you, you bring back the Cruiserweight Championship. You can you have three hours on Raw. You could, you could have two 30-minute ma- Cruiserweight matches in the middle of Raw surrounded by the story of, of the main picture and, and, and everything else. And you could just put on banger matches every single week with the Cruiserweight Championship. And in the same breath, the tele- a, a television championship. 
gets defended every single week. If you have the belt, you you ha- you will have a championship match every single week. You're the workhorse main. Uh, you're the workhorse mid card ch- champion holder. You defend every single week. And and and, and I, I I feel that that's a, right. You add these two championships. Now you have something for people. Because again, championships aren't really earned, and this is gonna piss off people. They're given. You, you get a hand at a championship in, in wrestling. You don't earn it. Now, of course, you have to earn your spot. You have to put in the work. You have to draw. You have to sell sell tickets. But you don't have to be the best worker. You don't have to go out there and actually fight people. You go out there. You're booked. You're scripted to win this title. And what do you do with three with three championships? You can see, okay, L.A. Knight, he, he, he's going after the, the television championship. He gets it. He can have a run. We could see how he reacts with being champion. But it also takes off this. I, I hate this idea that, that, that you have to go and be world champion. Like, like, what if L.A. Knight wins money in the bank? And he's on SmackDown, so he'd go after, you know, either Roman Reigns or Austin Theory. What if he goes after Austin Theory and he wins and he cashes in and he becomes U.S. champion and he has a damn good run as U.S. champion? Would that make him less successful as if he went and cashed in on Roman Reigns? I don't. I, the, the idea that the world championship is the title everyone should be striving for, to me, just doesn't make sense. Right? Because, and I, I want to use a sport example, right? I want to use the sports example. If I'm... If I'm a, a player in, and I play hockey, or I'm playing baseball, right, a sport with like a minor league system, um, and I, so we're gonna go with hockey here, right? And 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 I'm drafted, and I make I make the AHL, that's the minor league team of the NHL, and uh, um, I'll use my Bruins because that's the only team I can think of right now. So you have the Boston Bruins, that's the the NHL team. The Providence Bruins are their AHL affiliate team. That's where the, the developmental players are at, right? If I'm, and we're going to use the AHL because there's a system under it, the ECHL. I don't know who's the Bruins. I don't go that go that deep. But then you also have like juniors. If you're under 18, you go to juniors if you don't make the NHL roster. And so, the, right, so, so we're going to use the AHL as the... Um, the sort of mid card of 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 hockey of professional hockey. If I'm on the AHL brand, right? If I'm in the a- the AHL, I'm not going for the Stanley Cup. I'm going for the Calder Cup. But the Calder Cup is just as hard as the Stanley Cup. Now, is the Stanley Cup more prestigious? Absolutely. But there are players who have who spend their entire life in the AHL. Who, who are good enough to be in, in the, the top 1% of, of hockey players in the world to make a, an American pro-level team, they're just not good enough to hit the small percent that make the big leagues. But they still won the Carter Cup, which you could say is the second and most important cup in hockey in the entire sport. Does it make the Calder Cup less important? 
or less of an accomplishment. And so LA Knight, where he's at, does he need to be universal champion? Or could he just become U.S. champion and have a damn good run with the U.S. championship and still be considered successful? Now, let's see. What would I add to SmackDown? Well, SmackDown's where the big boys play. Right? SmackDown would be where the big boys play. So what do you add? You add the light heavyweight championship. It's been a while since we've had that title here. The light heavyweight championship. And then you add the European championship. You have, right, right? And and so you, you get the big boys on your brand. And, and you fight it out. And, and, and it may not be every single week because you want to differentiate SmackDown as, as the title where the big boys play and you have to earn a title shot. You're not just given one every single week. Right? And when, when, we, when we get the title, we're not going to fight for it. We're, we're going to fight on our time, our place. And you could differentiate the brands and, and you add these titles and it gives some of these people who are literally doing nothing Something to fight for. Because now you have more championships to fight for. Because at the end of the day, a title is just a prop. It doesn't matter who's your champion. If the story's good. And so you you just need to have a story for more people to fight for. When the roster's as big as it is and every single person who's not fighting for the, the world title is fighting for the mid-card. The mid-card needs to be deep. It needs to be developed, and it needs to be, you know, there needs to be something for them to do, and if you're not giving them a prize to str- to go for, then what's the point of having a lot of these stories? Like, like, what is Cameron Grimes and Baron Corbin's beef if it wasn't... Now, if you added a title where they're fighting each other for an opportunity to become champion... Then it, th- th- there's an instant motivation there. I want to be champion. That's a motivation for every person who ever participates in sports. Is I want to be the champion. Even though, like, I'll give an example. When I played rec league basketball, I was always on the worst team. I don't know what it was. I was always uh, on the worst team. A lot of it is, I- I'm in North Carolina. We're like the home of basketball, right? We're the home of Michael Jordan. We're known for basketball. And... <laughs> I wasn't the best player, and, and but what I had as my advantage is I was the tallest kid in the fucking league. I played center. I played like old school basketball. I played out on the block. I didn't dribble. You gave me the ball, and I did one of two things in the post. I passed it to someone else, or there was a layup. There was no dribbling with me. It was – I would go from – from the uh, the three-point line to the block, run back and forth, switch sides, right? Post up, give me the ball. I'm either passing it or I'm shooting it. There's no dribbling. There's no holding it. it was, it's an instant decision that I had to make depending on the defense that was being played. And I wasn't the best player. I couldn't shoot. Like, I couldn't play in today's NBA. I couldn't play today's basketball. I, I, I wasn't a stretch big. I couldn't shoot outside of, like, 10 feet. I shot free throws like Shaq. I was not good. I was not good at all. But I was a. I would say I was pretty mid, right? And and like I, there were moments where I could play good, 
and I was a big body, and, and I was okay defensively. My issue, I'll be honest, is I just wasn't aggressive enough. If, with, with, with the body size that I had, if I was more aggressive, I would have dominated defensively. I, I wasn't an offensive threat, but I was, right? My point that I'm trying to make is that I really don't know. I just lost my train of thought while, while talking about me playing basketball. Where the hell was I going with that? Shit. Anyway, but you add these, you add, oh, I know where I was going now. Even though I was on the worst team possible, like every single year, the goal of the team on the first practice was, hey, there may be a slim chance of us doing it, but we're here to play basketball to win a championship. We're here to win games. And, and, and I'm, I'm super competitive. And, and so, like, I played in multiple different leagues growing up. Like, I played the rec league through the city that I lived in. I played in, um, like, a church league, Christian league. Hated that. I really hated playing in that league. Uh, the league that I played in was so ghetto. And when I say ghetto, I don't mean, like, I don't what I mean is like, like, so we had like these little color bands you wore on your shirt and it was like red, red, blue, green, orange, and yellow, I think were the colors. And you could only play defense. You could only play man to man and you could only cover the guy that had the same color band that you had on your Jersey. So like if I played the four position, I could only cover the guy playing their four position. Right. And, and so it was so dumb. It it really was so dumb. And it was the worst league I've ever played in. I really hate it that I played in it. I was the best player in the league, if that, if that told you anything. Um, but the team around me, let me tell you, sucked. Uh, right? But, but you know, the coach there was like, oh, we're here just to have a good time. And I and I turned to him and I said, I'm not. I'm here to, I'm here to win. I, I, like, like I, I would get frustrated when I played sports. With, with the teams that I was on because I want to win. And I said, look, I know I'm not the best, but I'm here to win games and get better. And I, and, and and that's what I told <laughs> It would frustrate me, right? And, and some of the teams that I was on because we would always be losing and everyone was like, oh, we're having a good time. And I'm like, I'm not. Right, because I'm not winning. Everyone wants to win a title, absolutely. So so if if I'm just here to have a good time, if I'm just here in WWE to sit in catering and have a good time, like what am I doing here? And so we need more titles to give people something to fight for. It and this goes along the line of should we have like divisions? And that's not a topic I'm I, I really have thought about yet. So what we might save that for later. I don't necessarily think we should have weight divisions, but I feel like we should have like, hey, this person is on this part of the roster. He's going after this title, right? Um, so let me know what you think. Do you, do, do you think we should add more titles? What do you think about the titles that I added? What do you think? Because I think LA Knight would make a damn good like light heavyweight champion. I don't think he needs to be world champion to be, be successful I, and I also, I just, I know that there's a thing for LA Knight. I just, I don't think that personally that he's good enough to be world champion. I don't see the, I, I like, like when I think of world champion, I think of Roman Reigns. And I just don't see LA Knight on that same level. I don't. I love LA Knight. I like what he does. But when I look at him, I see mid-card. And that's controversial to some people. 
I don't think he's a main event talent. I don't think you can put LA Knight on a poster and it will and it will sell tickets the same way that Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or Charlotte Flair could sell tickets. I just don't think it's possible. All right, so the next the next question here is um it's an interesting one. It's a very good question. Definitely one I would not have thought of of talking about. Um, and it does come with the idea that you have to know the backstory. So I do have to tell the backstory of like what the question is asking. And then I'll answer the question. So the question is, do I think that Vince McMahon sent Vince Russo to WCW to kill WCW? So the backstory is um, Vince Russo is the booker of WWE. He started writing for the magazine in like 1990. He be- ends up becoming third in command, basically, of WWE's booking. Like he's the head booker. The only dude he has to answer to is Vince McMahon. And he becomes head booker, I think, in like the n- mid-90s, like 94, 95. So as the Attitude Era starts, Vince Russo is the one booking the Attitude Era. Um, and so um, he ends up around like 98, at the end of 98, like falling out with Vince McMahon from what, what, what I've uh, learned from his podcast and some of his books he wrote. Vince McMahon basically told Russo that he wasn't or that he was needed on the road every single day that he he didn't get any time off and Russo wanted more time off to be with his family he didn't want to be one of the boys that traveled the road he thought that he should have some time to you know he could still work from home type thing and and, and I kind of agree with Russo like the rider team shouldn't have to travel every single place they're at you know, they could communicate and, and, and I mean, now they, they could do like over text messaging and, and, so, and cooperate, collaborating on like Google, Google Drive in their writing. But even back then, like, I'm sure you could pick up the phone real quick and be like, hey, here's the idea. Um, you know, here's what I'll, I'll send this to you. And they had computers back then. I'm sure they could do email. I, I don't, I don't know. I was, it was before my time. So I don't know the capabilities, but. So around 1998, he 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 just decides, you know, I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a pat my bags, I'm gonna put the ball in my court, I'm gonna I'm take it, and I'm gonna go, I, I quit. He leaves WWE. He then, for about three months in 1999, works for WCW. He ends up getting fired by WCW, and then they rehire him like three months later, um, and then they go under Vince sell, um, McMahon buys out WCW. And the rest is history. Um, and so there's been this sort of theory among wrestling fans. There, well, there's two things. First off, a lot of people are misinformed and they say that Vince Russo is the reason WCW died. This comes along the idea that Vince Russo was sent by Vin, uh, Vince McMahon to WCW to intentionally tank WCW show so that Vince could get rid of the competition. Now, I'm not going to say that there wasn't discussions of of this may may be a thing we could do. I'm not going to say Vince wouldn't have done it. But from what I read 
from Russo. He has stated numerous times in books and on his podcast that he left WWE on his own volition, that Vince McMahon did not choose to send him to WCW. Um, I also hate this notion that Russo was the thing that killed WCW. It's just not true. There was a, a, a number of things that were happening at the same time that ended up being the reason why WCW went under. The first and most important is new ownership of, the, of Turner Broadcasting, who did not see it even necessary to support a wrestling show as they felt that it wasn't going to do well. There was just no support for pro wrestling on the network when AOL bought the company. Um, and so I think that that is the biggest reason WCW sold. But, but, but booking-wise, can we just understand that the show sucked dick when Russo got there? It was already a sinking ship when Russo got there. So to blame Vince Russo for the tanking of, of WCW is completely asinine. The biggest problem they had on the roster was the fact that everyone wanted to be po- politicians. Hulk Hogan didn't want to lose unless he agreed with it. And so it's not all Russo's fault. And so this idea of sitting here and saying Russo killed WCW, I would actually reverse it. WCW killed Vince Russo and is the singular reason Vince Russo doesn't have a job on a pro wrestling company's booking team today. He would benefit any company that hired him just being in the room. I mean, he wrote the, the he wrote pro wrestling at its peak. Now, I don't think he would ever be able to get the level of viewership he had writing the Attitude Era, but I think we I think he could write compelling stories. I, I think. So in short, no, I don't think Vince McMahon sent Vince Russo to kill WCW. I think McMahon knew WCW would have gone out eventually. And I think with AOL buying the company, they were going to sell regardless of how good the show was. That was just my opinion. Alrighty, next question will be... um, Now that we're halfway through the year 2023, which in the first place, that's fucking crazy. June's ending this week. Now that we're halfway through 2023... Roman has only had three 1v1 title defenses. That's Kevin Owens at Royal Rumble, uh, Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber, and Cody at uh, WrestleMania. The question then is, who and when will we see him face for the rest of the year? Will he have any other 1v1 defenses? Um, I think he has at least one more. I think he's going to have one at SummerSlam. Um... And my assumption has been for the longest that the story ends at SummerSlam. And Jey Uso's going to fight Roman Reigns. And Jey Uso's going to get the victory at SummerSlam to end Roman Reigns' reign of terror. Um, and so I think this comes in the form of a potential uh, Rock interference. In some way, shape, or form, the Rock will interfere in this match. Whether he's there in person or not. 
This then sets up the bigger, uh, the bigger match between Roman and The Rock. It wouldn't be for the title. It would just be, you know, a match just to happen. It could even be for, like, the respect of who's at the head of the table. And Roman versus The Rock at WrestleMania 40 in Philly, in which both of them sort of end the match right off into the sunset. We end this sort of story, and we see where it goes from here. Um, now, if Roman is still champion after SummerSlam, and I'm wrong, um, then he will have one at the Saudi show, which I think will be named Crown Jewel. And that'll be probably his last match of, of the year. And he'll take you know, a, a, a smaller break heading into Royal Rumble next year. Um, who he faces at the Saudi show, I have no idea. Because, like I said, I'm coming from the mindset that I think Jay Uso's the end of the story. And so I haven't even thought past Jay Uso as who could be the next... Co- I mean, it could be Solo. That's the only other person I could think of. I mean, it would make literal zero sense to have him go 1v1 versus anyone not involved in the current storyline. Um, so, so there's that. Um, the next is, can, can anyone elevate Austin Theory to become a big main level, you know, main event star? No, I don't think there's anything they can do to, to, to make him pass mid card. Now the way they've treated him the last six months, he's very rarely been, been spotlighted. I just I don't I there I don't think he can overcome the booking that he's had, um, and so you can make him world champion. I just don't think he'd be over as world champion. Um, if Cena can't give you a big enough rub to 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 sort of push you into the main event, I don't know who else can. Um, there's the only other person I can think of is if he went in and this, this is always something I've always suggested WWE did is with him being U S champion. If he had the ability to cash in that championship for a a chance at the world title. And then he went out and either had a match against Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns and won and had a very, very good match. I think that potentially could could get him over. Um, but at this point, I, I don't think the way they've treated Theory is... Ir- I don't think it's reversible. It's irreversible. Um, and I think he's stuck at the mid-card for, for this time being. And they'll have to reinvent him some way. And I just don't know if people will actually care to see Austin Theory at this point in that main event role. There's just nothing to him to cheer or boo. There's just no nothing to give a reaction to. Um, he's just another one of the boys, right? He's another Johnny Gargano. He's just one of the boys. The next one's easy. The next question here is easy. Um, is there anything that we can do to save the women's tag division? Or should WWE just scrap the whole thing? This one's easy. Get rid of it. We don't need it. There's no fucking reason... To have the women's tag division, I've always I've I've stuck to this view. Never thought they should have had it in the first place. I would rather have a a mid card women's championship on each brand to give 
the women something to fight for rather than just putting a bunch of women together in random tag teams and 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 having nothing the show of of it. So yeah, just scrap it. Just get rid of it. Um the next question is if I ran a wrestling company, who would I put on my creative team? And instantly when you hear this, first off, I want to know your guys' answers and responses to this. This would be fun to, to discuss. Most wrestling fans or fans of the business will instantly stick with, with bookers that have been in the business. So, so you'll have people who will be like, I'll put Paul Heyman or I'll put Triple H or I'll put Tony Khan or I'll put Vince Russo or Eric Bischoff or name X and X writer from whatever company, right? I don't go that route. There's only I'll say this: I will. I would have a team full full of diverse backgrounds, and what I mean by that is, if I'm writing a TV show, I need TV writers. I need people who understand how to write cinema, right? And 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 in doing so, I would have a few Hollywood writers who know the world of Hollywood and how to write entertaining TV shows. But I also need people who understand the world of wrestling. And so I would have one or two people inside the wrestling bubble. The problem with the WWE's booking team under Vince McMahon is everyone was just a bunch of yes-men who did whatever Vince McMahon wanted, wouldn't give him shit. And so when, when there was a bad idea, they wouldn't tell him it was bad. Oh, this is some good shit. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Right? And... I would would not like I would require like feedback like you need feedback from your writers if I propose a bad idea of course I would be head booker all decisions would be made through me but as the team right so it would be me I'd have my friend my friend Cody my brother James would be on the team it's just something we've always talked about if I ran a company they would run it with me um and then we would have like the only person in the wrestling bubble I would I would have would be Paul Heyman. He's the only person that has been in the booking position that I really feel like like I secretly feel Paul Heyman has been the guy who has written the bloodline story. I don't think Vince McMahon wrote it. I don't think Triple H is writing it. I think this is a storyline that Paul Heyman is writing. Um and so the only person from the wrestling bubble would be Paul Heyman. Um, I would then have Hollywood writers who understand how to write cinema, and they would give their perspective. I'd have, you know, a group of fans. Like I think the fans can book better than a lot of the people in the business. But but the main goal that I'm looking for is to have a have a team of people who are up to the times and understand what what fits in the mainstream crowd. Because Vince McMahon, for the longest, tend, tended to be like two or three years past the time, in the past. So, for example, um, when he was in control of NXT, he would have Katana Chance and Caden uh, Carter, who just got up, caught up. Like, when they were in NXT, when they debuted, they were doing this sort of EDM club music uh, gimmick. And it was two to three years past when EDM was sort of at its peak. And so there was no reason. He was just so far behind 
what was popular and what was trendy. And so I would keep, I would, I would have a team that, you know, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what's cool. I would have an entire research and development team that would research what is popular. Uh, like, like my booking would not just be like, Hey, we're going to just tell stories we're, I want to tell stories that are based off of the reality that we're in and it would be cinematic and, 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 and I would have perspective from the wrestling world and from the Hollywood world and from the fans of the company. I would hire fans to be writers and to give ideas. And then ultimately all the decisions would come back to me. And then we would, we would work as a team to write what is the most compelling storylines, right? And, and the, the big thing that I would do is it wouldn't be like, hey, we're writing we're writing for a month. It would be like, no, we're going to get together. We're going to write the next six months of, of programming that way, you know, and then if things need to change, if someone gets hurt or, or, or released or, or whatever the situation is, but if we write six months in advance with the idea of here's where we're starting, here's where we're ending, we can write six months of programming and, and and not have to, to, to worry on a week-to-week basis about what is happening. So now we can produce it better. Right? WWE's problem with a lot of what's going on is, you know, Vince McMahon makes changes during the show. So now I don't have time to practice and produce what, what Vince McMahon's vision is. And so it comes out like shit. But if I write six months in advance, what we're doing, by the time we get to the end of the story... It's all been practiced and rehearsed and we're able to practice what we're doing in advance, right? Um, so there's that. All right, we got two more, uh, two more questions here, two more topics. The next one is, this comes from Notorious Nerdy D himself. Uh, and I kind of actually hope that he uh, talks about this himself on, on his show uh, one of these weeks. Um would Roman Reigns benefit from a run of open challenges um, where he could destroy a bunch of mid-carders? Now, I don't think... When I wrote that on my note sheet, I don't think that was word for word what he put. So I may have misquoted the question. Um, but essentially, the question I'm going to answer is, would it benefit Roman Reigns to sort of have this run against mid-card talent where he could just pick up a bunch of wins in a row... And my answer is this. It would not benefit Roman Reigns. However, I don't think it hurts him. It's a, it's a, it's a net neutral situation for Roman Reigns there. And, 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 but the way I look at it is if it doesn't benefit him, then it ultimately it does hurt him. Because if you're just going to sort of stagnate his character then in the end it is going to be a negative towards towards what he has going on. And so the, the way I wrote this down is, and, and I'm going to read this the way I wrote, wrote my answer. Um, I see this, though, hurting the mid-card. And here's why I think it hurts the mid-card. If everyone in the mid-card goes up against Roman Reigns and loses, you destroy the entire mid-card. And so the, the you should Roman Reigns should have nothing at this point to do with the mid card, nothing at all, to do with the mid card, if if the goal is to benefit Roman Reigns, 
Now, if they're going to put Roman Reigns against mid-card talent to get mid-card talent over, that doesn't necessarily hurt Roman Reigns. It, it could help the 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 mid the, it could help the mid card and would help the mid card but but I, but I used an analogy here to 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 do it this way right and so I tend to think that once you get to the top of the mountain there's no point to go back down the mountain just to climb it again right if, if I'm climbing uh, uh, um, Mount Everest and I reach the top of Mount Everest, the fastest, right? And I look down and I see other people competing against me trying to climb Mount Everest. I'm not going to walk back down Mount Everest, find the closest competitor that's next to me and say, hey, guess what? I'll race you to the top. That does nothing to me. I already know I can get up there. And, and so I, th- I think of it this way. If I was climbing a physical mountain and I was the best climber and I got to the top first, would it make sense to climb back down to compete again against someone else? The only reason you would climb back down the mountain would be to help pull someone else up that is struggling. So in this way of thinking... Roman climbing back down the mountain would never benefit him. He has already been to the top. He's, he's proven he can get there. So there is no benefit to Roman Reigns. Romans would only climb down the mountain and it would only be to pull the opponent to the top of the mountain. Think of someone like Austin Theory. Would he face Austin Theory and beat him? Would that benefit any of them? No. But if he faced Austin Theory and Austin Theory got a a pinfall over him, that would blast Austin Theory to the fucking moon. And so, to answer the question, would it benefit Roman Reigns to do this? Absolutely not. In the long term, I also think it destroys your mid-card. And so I always believe, I do believe we need to have some sort of understanding that like if you're fighting for the world title and you're in that title picture you're you're too good for the mid card right like drew mcintyre was hard for me to be like oh drew mcintyre made sense being in the mid card when he was fighting and has been wwe champion months prior Right, and now he's fighting for the Intercontinental. You know, when he was in that battle with Sheamus and Gunther, and even leading up to like his battle with Karrion Cross, right, right, like he would be in the mid card, and then he had the Randall match with with Roman at Clash of the Castle, which was a great match. But then he went back to sort of fighting for the IC title, and it was just bad booking for McIntyre, right? And so Roman Reigns should not ever be anywhere near the point of having to wrestle mid carders. He's too good for them. The only reason he would do so would be to pull people up like he did the Usos. I didn't mean to rhyme there. I did. Once I I said the only reason he would do so, the the poet in me had to finish the line, right? But but I'm I'm, I'm being serious. Like, the only... 
and we've seen with Roman, the only time he ever would 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 allow someone not in the title scene to get get the shine would be to bring them up. But there's no one else I feel he can do that with that would benefit Roman. Because at the same time of him benefiting the Usos, the Usos were part of his team, so it benefited Roman. And and Sammy was part of the team, so it benefited Roman. Um. So, so now, I don't think there's a way that he could go down, have a run against the mid-card, especially if he destroyed everyone. I don't think it makes him better than, than what he's at right now. He's at the top of the game. And maybe I'm just biased because he's my, he's, I believe he's the top guy in the industry right now. But I don't think anything other than, like, I don't even know who he can face in the main event scene right now that would really benefit him in destroying them. I, I honestly, the way I see Roman Reigns right now is the, the le- less amount of times I see him physically wrestle, um, the better. And it's not because he's bad. It's just, I just don't know who you could put him in the ring with that would benefit him being in that match because he outshines like the only match I want to see between Roman now is him versus Seth because and I want it to end clean because the last time we got it it ended in DQ and so that's the only match I really want to see is Roman versus Seth Rollins and of course Roman versus Jay I just he's he Roman Reigns is too good to even consider putting him in the mid card All right, the last topic is going to be on ECW, and there's two questions um, from the same person, sort of the same question. Um, The first part of the question is, um, could ECW compete, could they have competed with WCW and um, the WWE, WWF, if Paul Heyman had the the funds, the money to compete with them, this is a tough question because I, these what ifs are very subjective. Um, and so I think it they would have been able to compete. However, I'm not so certain that the the product they were producing would have gotten over to the mainstream audience. Um, if, if they were fighting and, and trying to capture, like the thing with W, excuse me, the thing with ECW was they knew their niche and they marketed it to that niche. And it, and the, the thing was, is that niche was very popular within the wrestling world. And so I think they would have been able to, to hang with them. I don't ever think they could have beaten them. Um, I, and I also just don't know if the more mainstream, crowd would have enjoyed the extreme style of ECW. Um, while the while the attitude era was surely more aggressive and more more um, graphic um, sexualized than WWE was ever before, ECW crossed several lines that I'm not sure that even the mainstream audience would have accepted. And when I say mainstream, I'm talking about the rest of the world that doesn't watch, right, right, so WWE had, like, this pop icon, culture icon, right, Hulk Hogan, 
Stone Cold, The Rock, right? And they were all getting on. Like, could you imagine Sabu getting interviewed on a nightly news channel? Like, or or um, what the fuck is his name? New Jack. Could you imagine New Jack doing stuff like that? Like, I just don't know if that style of wrestling would have gotten over with the more mainstream non-wrestling fans that were also tuning into some of these WWE product, right? Um, uh, ECW, in my opinion, was only a fan favorite because of its gruesomeness in a culture that was more so more anti-establishment and there was an extreme thirst for that style of entertainment um also the I, I do believe the stars of that promotion of ECW the guys that you think of of ECW originals um for the most part went on to have successful or semi-successful careers outside of ECW part of his question was like do we remember these stars because of their time in ECW or because of their time in other promotions I'll tell you this the Dudleys I completely think of the Dudleys for their time in WWE right um, and then so the second part of his question is is WWE buying and producing content for Peacock and the WWE Network the only reason WW excuse me the only reason ECW is so fondly remembered um, I think it's part of the reason. Absolutely. I do think that this is part of the reason. It's sort of the same thing with like the Attitude Era, though. I see ECW as part of the Attitude Era. And, and, and when you go back to my Attitude Era episode that I talked about it, I believe the same thing goes for ECW. Just like I said with the Attitude Era, ECW is fondly remembered because those that grew up with ECW are addicted to the nostalgia of them growing up. And if we look back at ECW with zero bias, can we honestly say that it was an entertaining show or is it only remembered because it crossed lines society would typically not let you cross? I believe it was a product of its time and I do not believe anything like it would be accepted today. As we can see that companies like uh, CCW and GCW, while accepted by the small niche group, is not accepted by the mainstream in the wrestling world and as well as the mainstream culture outside of wrestling. And I, for one, wish deathmatch wrestling would just completely disappear. There's no reason for it. I mean, you got people doing stupid shit, trying to kill themselves, setting themselves on fire, you know, jumping from you know, 40-foot risers uh, for a handshake and a hot dog and a, and, and, and a broken leg. And, and they're, they're literally killing themselves for our entertainment. And it, it, I, I just don't think it's entertaining, right? Deathmatch wrestling has never been entertaining to me. Um, just put on a good story. You can do wrestling without being graphic. And, 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 and so... That's where I stand on it. Um, ultimately, I don't think ECW is as good as we... we I, I, it's a nostalgia thing. Um, and so, I do think WWE sort of keeping it alive. In the same way that I believe DX is being kept alive and Undertaker is being kept alive. They're doing it so that they can continue to milk money out of it, of the nostalgia. Um, and and so, yeah, that's that that's where I stand on... On, on that. 
Um, so that's where we'll end this show. I want to thank everyone who responded in the Discord and gave me topics to talk about. You guys make the show so easy to do. I, I have much respect for that. Um, let me know what you guys think in the Discord. Um, you could also, you know, send me messages in, on Twitter and TikTok at We2Deep413. But the Discord's the easiest way to get in touch with me and, and to give the and to have discussion. Um, and if you do want to join the Discord, there's two ways you can do that. The first is you can, and this is the way I would prefer you do it, um, that I know works for certain. You can go to um, the Casual Community YouTube page or the Nerdy D Show YouTube page. On Subscribe to both of them. On the videos, click the link that says join the Discord and join the Discord, sign up, uh, you know, introduce yourself, say hello, stop by. There's different channels. If you don't know how Discord works, you can definitely, you know, ask for help on how to use it. So one of us will definitely be able to, to walk you through it. Um, and uh, then... You know, you you know, you can give me suggestions. We can we can have comp you know not competition, but we can have a conversation. The whole group would be uh, you know conversing in there as well. You can ask Nerdy D questions. Uh, you can ask anybody in the group questions that we can answer. Um, and it's just a great community. Um, the second way you can join it, and I'm trying this for the first time, in the description of this podcast. I'm going to put my own invite link. I don't know if it'll work. Um, so you can click that. You can try to join from there. Um, and again, we, we, we welcome people. Please understand, though, that it is a more casual um, fan base. So if you are a hardcore WWE-only person, I'm going to call you out for your hardcoreness on WWE, just like I call out AEW people for their hardcoreness. Car hardcoreness with 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 AEW, but if you are an AEW fan, we welcome you absolutely. But please understand that we will critique AEW's product. We talk about the business side of the product. Some of us talk about the booking, um, and so there will be critiques. And 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 I, and I, as as someone who has some admin power, I'm not going to sit here and and what like we we've never had this happen. But I just know what happens when AEW fans get triggered. And, and they sit there and they start name-calling. Just know that we do have rules. We won't allow name-calling. And uh, if you are an AEW fan, you're welcome to the community. But please understand there will be critiques. We do allow for, like, freedom to say what we believe. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but with that, uh, I think we're still planning on doing a, a watch-along with Money in the Bank. I'm going to do my Money in the Bank preview predictions Saturday morning, um, leading up to the event, that'll be out Saturday morning um, at 8 a.m. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's where we'll go from there. We're uh, also approaching um, one year as a podcast. Um, that will be one year will be on Saturday as a podcast. Um, so we will definitely celebrate that then. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened, has continued to listen, has stuck with it. I know it's not the most entertaining stuff that I do, um, but I, I appreciate everyone who does listen and gives me these ideas. With that, uh, 
I will see you guys on the Saturday episode, and uh, uh, I'll see y'all next time on the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Have a great rest of your day.